This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Topo Maps Plus is one of the world's leading backcountry navigation apps, turning your phone into a fully functional GPS unit. Backroads Maps Books is proud to offer maps as an in-app purchase for Topo Maps. This makes it super easy to download mobile apps for offline use. This way you can get accurate and reliable GPS tracking and navigation while out of cell and data service. With Topo Maps Plus, you can view your location on the map, add waypoints, trace new routes, measure distance and elevation, change and share your tracks with your friends, you know, once you're back in service. Never get lost with Backroads Maps. one recipe and you hand it out to 12 people and if it works but did you have some some shitty out calls and you just said hey i can <laughs> i can do this a little bit better making them for myself i was just using uh basically turkey calls it send me over a few tips <laughs> on turkey hunt oh my wife oh, yeah. <laughs> some some days some things work and other days they don't yeah i don't it's think tricky. he really he don't really he doesn't really <laughs> care too much about it he'd rather just we just use O-rings, though. Oh, yeah. Maybe they call them a castration. But... <laughs> yeah, Tables have turned. There'd be nobody there to answer your call. <laughs> Okay, thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Focus Hunting Podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by Steve Smith, founder of Smith Game Calls. Steve, he shares a story about how he got started making game calls and tells us all what goes into making these great calls. This episode of the Focus Hunting Podcast is brought to you by the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Make sure you all head over to www.waypointtv.com. Go check them out and see everything this great group has going on. Drifts into into Alberta as well. So yeah, 
Yeah, no doubt. So you want to uh, just get rolling here? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, uh, today I'm joined by uh, Steve Smith. Um, if you don't know who Steve is, he's uh, he's the owner of Smith's Game Calls. Uh, we can get into that a little bit later. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? Good, buddy. Good. So maybe uh, right off the get-go, we'll just uh, get you to give uh, a little uh, introduction on yourself. All righty. Well, my name's Steve. Um, I'm an avid elk hunter. I've been uh, hunting elk pretty well my my entire life. Me and my wife, uh, we, we started Smith Game Calls together back in 2016 and about 2015, and we we're selling by the late 2016 season. And uh, since then, we've slowly been growing our company now we're in about 100 little over 100 stores across canada and it uh, continues to grow each year so you uh you said you've been hunting uh elk for quite a while how long you've been calling elk um pretty well right from the get-go or if if not calling watching my grandfather call them so oh yeah he was a big elk, elk hunter as well yes he was he uh he he's the one who got me into it he goes back to like the the copper tube style calling as well too. So, but uh, got to see it all. Do you consider yourself a good elk caller? Um, <laughs> I can fool <laughs> elk sometimes, <laughs> but you know, to the human ear, I might I might think I'm okay. To to an elk, it's uh it's anybody's guess. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I hear that, man. I don't uh, I don't consider myself a. Uh... A great elk caller by any means. I've called elk, had him respond, but I guess it depends who's judging you, eh? Doubt on the last uh, last episode, I had uh, Corey Jacobson on, and I think it's safe to say he's a good elk caller. Yes, he is. I've uh, I've called against him in the world elk calling contest down in uh, Park City, Utah, and he is pretty darn good. Oh no, kidding! How? Yeah. What year was that? Um, I've gone two thousand. And I'm bad with my ears. So 2020 was canceled. So it would have been 2019 and 2018. Wow. How did you you fare there? Uh, Not not as good as I I wanted to. I think uh, there must have been 20 20 people in there. I would have played somewhere somewhere in the middle. Oh, yeah. I didn't uh, didn't make it to the final four. Uh, Their contest is going this, this July. I... I'm not sure it's open to the Canadians though, so I'm not sure we're going to be able to make it. Yeah, who knows what's going on? Yeah, who knows if you can get back? All this yeah, crap going on. I, I think we can get down there. I, I'm not sure about getting home though. Yeah, yeah, stuck down there, which wouldn't be too bad. Pretty nice no. down there. Yeah, but they got uh, those folks down there, man. They can uh, they can call some elk. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when did you start messing around with elk calls? Um. It's been it's been about eight eight or more years now. We've been just kind of making them for ourselves. Um, we we didn't really have the intentions on turning it into a, a company. We were just kind of making them for me and my wife, brothers, friends, and it just slowly grew with popularity to to where we were selling it to just kind of the local stores around town and neighboring cities, and and then we finally decided to put a name on it and a brand and and start growing it. So backing up a bit, just started making them. You just, what did you have some, some shitty elk calls and you just said, Hey, I can, <laughs> I can do this a little bit better. For the most part. Yes. Uh, I know every, every call, every caller kind of needs a kind of a tailored call for themselves, I suppose. 
Um, there, there was some good ones on the market and I, I felt maybe this one had a little too much tension. This one was a little too soft it, and maybe it'd just be easier if I made my own for myself. And that's the route we took. Oh yeah. So what kind of call did you make uh, for your first call? Like a diaphragm call? Yeah, they've all been the diaphragm style calls. I've got tons of calls in my closet. It's never dawned on me for a second to start making calls. First of all, because, you know, I, I would have absolutely no idea um, where to start. I, I got the, I got a couple call of your diaphragm calls in my hand here and I'm looking at them. And I'm like, well, I mean, how did you put it all together? Like, where did you learn to do it? Well, I was actually researching how they were making turkey calls. And if, if you're into it, you can, you can buy these little hand jigs where they, they can supply you with what you need to make your own own little turkey call. Uh, it's, it's expensive to get into. Uh, I don't know if there's any way of actually making money doing it that way, but you can get like kind of these pre-made supplies and they can send you latex and pre-fit tapes and stuff. And, and so I kind of, when I was making them for myself, I was just using uh, basically turkey calls and I was changing the tension of the latex and the thickness of the latex to kind of get those elk tones I wanted. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, and as we progressed and started turning it into a company, we started uh, kind of manufacturing our own our own frames and our own tapes and and kind of making everything a little more unique. So that's what you started? You started with uh, the elk calls, making elk calls? Yes, elk. That's pretty cool, man. So what what's in there? There's just, uh, what's inside a call? They're, like I'm looking at it now, we got uh, the latex. It's sitting in a little metal aluminum. Yeah, so it's got a an aluminum frame, and the, the frames will come in different sizes, thickness, uh, width is the big one. And that uh, that frame is supposed to fit in your mouth a certain way, right? So some, some callers are going to be need a bigger frame. Some callers are going to need a more narrow frame. So when you hear people talking about this one doesn't fit me, that one doesn't fit me, that usually just comes down to that frame. Uh, width. Oh yeah, and then from there, that uh, what that frame's doing is it's holding a certain tension on uh, a latex, and you can play with the the tension of the latex, the thickness of the latex, which is going to give you your kind of your your softer, your harder tones, your high pitch, your low pitch, your cow calls, bull sounds. It's all kind of inside the spectrum of your thickness and stretch on those latexes. Cool, man. So how many calls did you have to, uh, like, how long did it take you to, to, to master it? Uh, well, that's, that's the tricky thing is, is you really got to get a couple dozen people to play with them. Right. I, I, uh, I can almost make anything work to sound like an elk, I suppose. So if it works for me, it might not work for anybody, vice versa. Right. So you, you, you come up with kind of, let's call it a recipe. You come up with one recipe and you hand it out to 12 people. And if it works for three, it doesn't work for the rest. Well, then you scratch it off the list and you try another one. And, and you got to make 12 of 300 different styles before you find one where 10 or 10 or 11 out of the 12 like it. Right. And then you can kind of take that and start narrowing it down, go kind of go off that that similar call and just make micro changes to it till you get that perfect, that perfect call. So in order to make one, one good call, I'd say sometimes it can land anywhere between 300 and 3000 prototypes just to get that, that one ironed out. 
No kidding. So you messed around these with these for a little bit, then you started selling them. Who did you start selling them to right off the get-go? Uh, well, right off the get-go, we just opened up an e-commerce site and and we were selling online. Oh yeah. And uh, we did that for for a year or two, and then uh, some of the local stores around northern Alberta started to to pick up on it, and they were they were placing their orders and. And simultaneously, the e-commerce side grew, and the the more e-commerce we did, the more stores ordered, and then yeah, we slowly just started adding to it and adding adding to our SKU lists and adding to our marketing team, and it just just keeps blowing up year after year. So, I imagine you probably were you working out of your garage type deal at the beginning. Yeah, well, actually, we we just uh, moved back into the garage, so we we we, we started. Uh, at a home office and building calls at our kitchen table. And then we uh, did that for a couple of years. We finally moved into a commercial building. We had a little warehouse and an office space and that's, that's how we did it for years. Now, uh, now that we're in Calgary, we got uh, basically our entire garage. We just converted into a office workshop area and, it's it's a little bit tight, but it works for us. Easy to keep an eye on everybody. It's good. <laughs> yeah. When you started selling, and what were you selling uh, specifically? Just elk calls, or were you, were you mixing it up with turkey calls as well? No, we were we were just selling the elk calls. I've I've never actually been turkey hunting myself, even to this this point. So to say I know how to make a turkey call is is a stretch. Um, we we do have uh, people on our team that are a little more rounded on the turkey side and even the predator side so i'm predominantly just on the on the elk side of things oh yeah maybe they can uh send me over a few tips <laughs> on turkey hunting yeah i i think i got my uh my way around the turkey call now i've never i've never tried it on a real turkey though but to the human ear some people say it's all right you know those things i man i didn't have any luck <laughs> you know those things i don't know matters if you're a good caller or not because you know, I've been out in the bush, I've broken a stick, I've coughed and, you know, made all sorts of weird noises and it just set on a good day. It just sets those buggers off. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. You never, I don't think anybody really knows how, how their minds work. We, we make predictions and we try and do our best to guess, but some, some days, some things work and other days they don't. Yeah, absolutely. So when you guys started pumping these out, how many calls did you have? Uh, we, we started with five. We had five uh, diaphragm style calls. We all, we had, all elk calls. Yeah, they were all elk calls. We haven't even had a bugle bugle tube out at this point. Just the five, the five uh, original diaphragm style calls, and that, that's all we sold there for about a year, year and a half. And when we started adding to it, and got a, our own bugle tube manufactured, and we've just been adding to it every year. Uh, we've been taking a lot, lot off of our skew list as well, but. We're constantly adding new things. And, and these are all handmade diaphragm calls. Yes, all, all the diaphragms are, are handmade. Jeez. So how long does it take a guy to make one? I imagine you must get pretty good at it, though, after doing it for a while, eh? Uh, must, must be able to pump these out pretty good. I throw I throw a lot less out, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when we started, it was every third call was right in the garbage can now. Now it's about maybe maybe one out of twenty deserves a spot in the garbage can, but it's a little easier on the pocketbook. But yeah, it can take about three three to five minutes to to build one call. 
So when you're building these, can you tell that it's it's a good call? You said you threw some of them out. I don't imagine you're sitting there testing every one yourself. So no, uh, <laughs> no, but just cosmetic, or if there's a a kink in the latex, or the tape oh, wasn't yeah. applied properly, or the frame's got a malfunction or a bend to it, or any kind of imperfection, it just it just gets tossed. So what's the difference? Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of different uh, calls. Some make different tones, so like especially for alcohol. And I guess uh, you know, some have two latex, some have one. What's the what's really the difference in the latex? Like, is it tighter latex that'll give you a higher pitch, or or is it softer actual material? How does that work? Yeah. So the the tighter the latex, the higher pitch it'll give you. The uh, the lower the tension, it'll give you a a, a deeper sound. So. And, and longevity as well. So if if the tension is too low, the longevity is uh, a little on the weaker side, which isn't a terrible thing either. So a cow call, a cow calls uh, significantly deeper than than your bowl sounds. So on that cow call, the longevity won't last very long if you're making bowl sounds on it. But it's almost catered to make those cow sounds anyway. So so the the less the tension, the deeper the sound, it's going to aim towards those cow sounds. And if you're only using it for cow sounds, it'll last a lifetime. If you're blowing bugles on a, on a cow reed, it might only last you yeah, 20 minutes. But yeah, that's for the most part. The, the second latex on these calls, if you had a double reed or a triple reed, it won't actually change the, the sound all that much. It's more so the volume. So you can really lean into them and blow really hard and and uh, get that volume up, it's it's a lot harder to do. So you'll see more of the experienced callers using double and triple read calls. But oh, yeah. uh, it's just so that latex can stand the the uh, harshness, I guess. It's funny you say that, you know, my kids, uh, you know, they can all sing a tune with the, with a diaphragm call. And my old man, for the life of him, he cannot make a peep out of a diaphragm call. It's funny. Just can't figure it out for some reason. I don't know what it is, but. I believe everyone can do it. They just got to practice enough. It's uh Yeah, I don't think tricky. he really he don't really he doesn't really <laughs> care too much about it. He'd rather just uh have somebody have else somebody call. Else. So maybe he just uh plays like he doesn't know how to call. Deep yeah, down, he's probably at home wailing on it, I bet. Oh yeah, just more more shooter opportunities that way. So, what kind of call you use when you're out? Uh, what's worked for you in the past? What's um, your go-to call? Your go go-to diaphragm call? I I like the herd bull that we make. It's uh, one of the little bit of the harder ones to use. It uh, does last a little bit longer. And there's actually a few calls that uh, I make for myself that I don't even sell, just uh, just because they're they're extremely difficult to use. So I'm, I'm I was just kind of worried if we put them on the shelves and nine out of ten people will pull pull this call off and it won't work for them. So we we just some of them I don't even sell and I just make for some of my friends and outfitters and such and they they seem to like them right. but out of the ones we do sell i i do like to use the the herd bowl both the flat frame and the the one with that raised pallet bridge on it as well so when you say harder what do you mean what do you mean harder like they're just uh it's, so it's, it's harder it's, to get us uh harder to blow on or yeah so it's gonna require more more air pressure more tongue pressure they're just overall harder to to operate so m- most people new to elk calling aren't going to be able to pull that call out of the package and make it work. So hmm. now you see some calls. I think you just mentioned it there. They got that little raised, uh, raised. What is that? 
little piece of metal that's sitting up there. So that's uh, kind of in place there to help with, with your calling. So when the call is sitting in your mouth, it's actually supposed to be sitting with that latex side outward. And then you kind of want a little bit of a downward angle on it as well. So when you're putting tongue pressure, as soon as that latex hits the roof of your mouth, it'll cut that sound off, right? So you actually want that, that call to be sitting at closer to a 45 degree angle. So you'll, you'll see some, ours has that bridge. You'll see other guys will have a, uh, either a dome of some sort. And what that does is it just kind of pitches the, the call into, into a better placement, I suppose. Right. So almost like training wheels, I guess. Perfect. That's the one I need. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, a lot of people prefer them. They're, they're a little more comfortable. Yeah. That's uh, that it's not that they do anything that a flat frame can't it's just they're just a little bit easier um more people like them that's definitely the ones i need for sure what do you call that again what was that called uh we call it the raised pallet bridge so what else you got over there for elk calls we mostly just do the diaphragms um for cow calls we have an external read uh we got a couple different versions of an external read or an open read cow call um some some built out of acrylic some built out of plastic the acrylic is uh, it comes with a higher price tag. It's more more for your your diehards than your your just casual elk hunters. But yeah, we we make a few different few different types. Uh, we we've been making a open read bugle tube here. It's been in the test for three years now. Uh, we haven't released it out to the public yet. I'm hoping in the next. It won't be out this hunting season, but maybe 2022 we might have something on the shelf. Cool. So these uh, these external reads, you guys making these all in in house? Uh, not not the whole process. No, a lot of it is uh, we get manufactured. It's all manufactured in Canada, uh, mostly nice. in Calgary actually. But uh, it's all gone through like CNC machinists and such, and they'll they'll send us the parts once they're done. And we got some stuff that's injection molded and blow molded. Uh, the mylar reads we cut ourselves. We got a a big press that'll cut those mylar reeds out and then it's just kind of putting them together and packaging so when you're sourcing these out in the beginning what was it like was it hard to uh was it hard to find somebody sure like you said you wanted to keep it uh you wanted to keep it in canada but uh was it hard sourcing all this out because i don't i imagine you had to have a quantity quantity like you can't just call up and say yeah. hey we need one of these so that was the tough part and we didn't uh you know, if you had a lot of money in your pocket and you wanted to jump with two feet in, it, it would be doable. But we we started small and we scaled up. So just trying to make like those cow calls wasn't within our reach for the first couple of years. Just because, like you said, with the quantities, right, we we didn't want to go buy or get 5000 cow calls built and we sell to three stores. That just wouldn't make sense. Right. So we just. You know, it was a long road, but we scaled up to to do it, just starting with the diaphragms and bugle tubes. And as we expanded and it made a little more sense and our sales volumes increased, then so did our, our products. Yeah, because those external recalls, they last, a, you know, they last a lot longer than uh, than the diaphragm call. I don't know what other how often other people go through them, but I mean, I'm always chewing on those things and I'm cutting yeah. latex. I go through quite a bit of them, so... Uh, the only thing that that I find on those external reads that really goes is that little uh, 
that rubber band on them you got to replace once in a while what what's that uh what do they call that a, a ca castration band i think is that called i suppose you could use it for that we just use o-rings though oh yeah <laughs> yeah i heard somewhere they used actual castration bands on those you know or, they, or may, maybe they call them a castration band <laughs> That's tough, yeah, man. It's just a little rubber band there and they're replaceable. You can replace it with uh, almost almost anything you can find in a hardware store even or if you want the, the same one we put on. It's just we've got lifetime warranty on all that stuff as well. So as long as you don't lose it, we'll fix anything that's broken. You just have to uh, mail it, mail it in. Now you guys got uh, you got turkey calls over there. What's harder to uh, harder to make? Is it uh, a turkey call or an elk diaphragm call? I don't even have an answer for that. I don't. I don't make the turkey calls. Seems like uh, there's a little more going into a tur into a turkey call. You know, just yeah, it takes a little bit longer to build the turkey call. Uh, you got the uh, most of them are triple reeds or double reeds. I don't think. Uh, well, we don't make any single reed turkey calls. I don't know if anybody does, but I know our uh, our guys that build the turkey calls there. It just seems more to it, right? You got the extra read, you've got uh, some cutting to do, whether you want the V cut or whatever, right? Is it just it just takes longer? Yeah, definitely. So these little cuts, your guys making these, uh, they cut them themselves, or is that all done by a machine? Because that's all done by hand. No kidding, eh? Because those are precise. Wow. Yeah, and that's that's why it's important. We don't have too many call builders, so. Yeah. So, so the, the same guy who's making all those cuts, he's going to cut every single one of them. Yeah. So these, uh, these calls was the same sort of thing. You had to, uh, you know, just play around. You guys had to just play around with them at the beginning and, and see what works and, and what doesn't work. And Yeah, not for the most part. Um, but with our turkey side, we've, we've hired that out. So we've got guys that work for us that uh, focus, focus just on the turkey calls. Our marketing team will kind of take the whole, the whole company in a whole but when it comes down to the the building it's uh we've got a turkey department for that yeah because i mean even understanding what each cut does i mean that's uh that's a skill in itself i mean i've been blowing on these diaphragms for i can't even remember and i mean i don't even know what they all do right i, I have a particular one i like and i was using uh your calls this uh this spring I just didn't have any birds to try it on. So yeah, I think this this might have been our our best year yet for turkey sales. They 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 seem to be in seem, seem to have been pretty popular. Yeah, I kind of it feels like turkey hunting's getting more popular. You know, yeah, the more people you talk to, it just seems like more guys are getting into it. Yeah, I'd love to start getting into it. It's pretty hard to get a turkey tag in Alberta, though. Well, you guys have to. Uh, it's not open out there, right? No, no, it's. Uh, some kind of lottery draw yeah what about elk hunting out there is that uh you guys have a uh, general open season tag for that over there yeah it's uh it changes drastically throughout the province up in northern alberta you can start bow hunting them as early as august 25th and uh then rifle season starts september don't quote me on it but i want to say september 17th and it's uh it's open most of the zones are open general tag over the counter and uh then as you start coming down south the seasons start opening up september 1st um but the archery seasons will go till october 31st and just have uh november 1st to november 30th for rifle season but a lot of the zones to hunt bull elk with a rifle will be on draw 
that's it, it just changes so much depending on where you're at i mostly spend uh my time up north during archery season once once the rifles come out i i tend to get out of there it turns into world war three so yeah it seems like the early archery season you can get away with a little more as soon as there's uh, guns ablaze in those elk they they seem to uh seem to learn pretty quick yeah they tighten up yeah sure. definitely how was your uh how was your elk season last year uh, really good, actually. Yeah, we had a had an awesome year. It was uh, seven seven weeks straight, no days off. We we covered all over northern Alberta, uh, central Alberta, down into southern BC, and finished it off up in northern Alberta again. Nice, nice. Who are you? Uh, who are you hunting over in BC here with? Uh, with Shane Palmer with Saddleax Outfitters. Oh, nice, nice. That's uh. That's a good gig when you can get out uh, hunting elk for seven uh, seven weeks. Yeah, it's uh, done that a few few years now. It it takes a toll on you, and I think uh, probably takes some years off the end of your life doing that. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it flies by so fast, right? It's just, and it, it's not that we're in one camp for seven weeks either, right? We'll we'll uh, kind of set up for four or five days, and then you're you're back to the truck you get to go to a hotel for a night and clean up and off to the next destination and so yeah well it's good you can get away from uh you can get out of the out of the office for that long you uh yeah, did well, you, you your wife's okay with you being gone for seven weeks too <laughs> i gotta put a lot of work on her yeah it's it's gotten a little easier too uh we've we've um started to move into distribution as well so our if our distribution companies are stocked up, then then I know that we're we're safe to take uh, some time away from the office. As long as they have the product to move, then then they're moving the product. Uh, we just have to make sure we have a high enough inventory. And if you don't, then you just have to cancel your plans, back to the shop, and start building. Yeah. So how many of these? Uh, how many of these can you pump out in a day? Like one guy, like yourself. How many? How many diaphragm calls can you pump out? a day Ooh, uh we could probably five or six hundred wow maybe like if if you really sun up to sundown no breaks you could probably uh i mean the longer you do it the more the more ones you're going to start throwing in the trash for sure but if if you're really focused on it yeah wow grind it away maybe maybe that many so all summer you're just pump you're just pumping out these elk calls so you can get that set those seven weeks off <laughs> or uh, elk on yeah, there. I'm not the only call builder either, so so we do uh, we do make sure our inventory's up. But just like me, once elk season starts, a lot of our our call builders they're they're gone, right? So we just want to make sure our numbers are up and our distribution companies are stocked up, and that way when uh, somebody wants calls, they're they can get their hands on them. Yeah. You know, that's one thing, I guess, when you're in the hunting business, it's tough to keep all your employees uh, uh, at work throughout hunting season. Eh? Yeah. Oh, they, they disappear. They, uh, they're, they're, they're all gone September. We'll, uh, we'll be lucky to start seeing them mid October again. A few, few guys will have a successful early season and get, get somebody back to the shop by first week of September. And you got somebody, you got at least one person who sticks around and just uh, answers the phone and, Oh my wife! Oh, yeah. 
So you're going to have to uh, give me some tips here because if you can talk your wife into staying back at the shop doing orders and answering phone calls while you're out chasing elk for seven weeks, you got something going on. I need to I just I just locked out. <laughs> yeah. I guess I just locked out. And she's she's pretty busy too, so we, we keep her going. Yeah. So she's doing all the, the clothing and branding as well, and she's ventured out to do that for uh, – a few other companies as well just uh small brands and you know, a tv show and stuff so well she sounds like a rock star i got a i got a rock star old lady too which makes uh all my hunting uh definitely easier without her i wouldn't be able to get away with it that's for sure oh yeah so you yeah, got it wisely i guess well, you guys uh you got kiddos running around out there yeah i've got uh one son and uh, another one on the way is he uh an elk caller already uh he's only only three now he's very interested in it i i've never taken him i've taken him out on a few small like local rifle hunts i've never taken him out on a bow hunt before but uh maybe in the next couple years yeah it's hard to uh it's hard to get the kids into bow hunting there uh when they're that young that's for sure i mean even you know up until uh you know they're around nine or ten they start getting a little stronger then they can then you start to see a difference that's for sure yeah yeah just bow hunting in general like it's it can be a little more dangerous with the bears too and i'm just i'm not overly comfortable just packing a toddler around uh when you're you're trying you're trying to be quiet and you know they're making noise yeah so yeah i I haven't brought them out bow hunting yet when i hunt by myself i generally i hunt by myself and I, i find when i hunt with my dad now you know i love hunting with my dad but he slows you down and i find it funny because i do i hunt with my son and it's the same thing although i love hunting with my son and i know at a time there must have been a point where my dad was thinking the same thing about me being like man this guy's just slowing me down right (laughs) yeah yeah tables have turned what other kind of calls you guys uh pumping out over there so uh, another popular one is our predator lineup they've been uh Probably our second best seller is uh, anything in the predator line. So we do have the diaphragm style predator calls, uh, open read howler. We've got a couple, couple closed read distress calls, and those things have those things have just been flying off the shelf lately. So and very much like the turkey side, we've got a few guys working for us who just stick to the predator side, and uh, that's kind of just what they do. These diaphragm read or diaphragm predator calls, what? Uh... What kind of calls are they? Are they uh, like a rabbit distress call? They're sort of surprisingly pretty universal. So it would come down to the user if you're a good enough caller the, into the rabbit and distress calls. Uh, you can imitate all your coyote sounds as well. So your yips and howls and they they can kind of just do it all. They're, they're pretty good. We're not the only company that makes them, but those, if, you, if you're good enough with the diaphragm, those uh, diaphragms really are pretty superior to anything else out there when it comes to just how universal they are i mean it's hard to beat an electronic call then those things are pretty universal but the, the coyotes figure those out eventually too so yeah and uh i've used uh, electronic calls and um they're a pain in the ass to drag around and then <laughs> batteries die and but uh yeah the diaphragm call it's definitely the way to go it allows all your hands to be to be free and be mobile those are the way to go for sure so these uh diaphragm calls for for the predator calls what are they like are, are this the same sort of thing a single read double read triple read uh they're double read calls and we build them based on that uh, race pallet bridge frame 
So they've got the upgraded tape and they've got that that raised palette as well. We have three different three different double reads. So what's making that that sound again? Is that just how the tension in the uh, in the latex? Yeah. So they've got the tension in the latex, and if you're when you're using that diaphragm, you're funneling that air between your your tongue and the latex. So the the air will actually cause that latex to vibrate, and when you put tension on on that latex, the vibrations will be a little bit tighter, which will change your your pitch. So it's all about putting putting that airflow in the right spot and making that that latex vibrate. Man, I'll have to get my hands on some of those. Try them out for uh, for bear hunting. You know what they. Uh, they they were selling pretty good last last spring we started selling them to a bunch of bear hunters especially down in southern bc they uh they picked them up it, it's not very popular in in alberta because most people are just baiting here but back down in southern bc a lot of a lot of these guys were buying buying the uh the diaphragms as well as the closed re- read distress calls and and killing bears with them so yeah yeah the the call's the way to go um uh, I've uh, talked to some folks who can do uh, cold calling where they just start calling and the bears come to them, but uh, I'm not that good. I don't know how they do that. But when I see one, I can wail on those calls and uh, and they come running. I'll have to check those out. What else? Yeah, what else we got uh, over at uh, Smith Game Calls? Uh, another popular item is our deer call. Um, it's, it's not our uh, biggest seller by no means, but we do have a closed read deer call it's been pretty popular the last two years so our uh our deer call what makes it different is we're using an aluminum tone board instead of a plastic tone board and then our mylar reed has a rivet in it as well and so when you blow on it not only does that mylar vibrate but it's using that metal rivet hitting against the aluminum kind of metal on metal instead of mylar on plastic and and it's it's so when you move the o-ring up and down it changes the pitches and tones too so we we only have one deer call and you can use it as a a uh, doe or like a doe bleat or a buck grunt just by moving the o-ring up and down right right yeah that's what uh that predator call i have it does the same thing you move that uh that band up up or down it makes different calls but uh no i'm excited to try one of these uh diaphragm predator calls out yeah we've been selling a lot of those this year those deer calls, they must be uh, a big hit out there with uh, the whitetail folk, eh? Yeah, we we sell quite a few of them. Um, you know, I probably sell more in the States than we do up in Alberta. Oh, no kidding, eh? Uh, I, I, I don't know why. I, I, don't, I don't even know if a lot of people are using deer calls in Alberta. There's, there's a lot of truck hunters out there, um, a lot of just sitting in tree stands in, in hot spots, and kind of seems to be about... 80% of the whitetail hunting up here anyways. Yeah, a lot of uh, private land out there. I was out um, antelope hunt last year in yeah. uh, in southern Alberta around Medicine Hat. Uh, couldn't believe how much uh, private land there was. Yeah, there's quite a bit. And just open. You can see for miles. Crazy. It's, it's going to be a big game changer this year. Just uh, the new new area for me. 
Uh, I I moved from Northern Alberta down South here and uh, it just seems to be, unless you get into the mountains there, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of crown land around. I hear, I hear even the private land super hard to get permission on. So, and, and aside from that, I've got no idea how the elk move around this, this area either. So it's going to be a learning game for me this year. Locating them is, uh, I find is, is all the work is locating those. Yeah. Locating the elk. Been pretty lucky around here, but uh, it took a while to, to get it figured out. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I can I can start bow hunting a week early up in northern Alberta, so I still plan on on going up there for August 25th, and if I get lucky, I might take out early, and and then it won't be so stressful trying to find the elk around this this new new area. Yeah, definitely. Well, I was talking to uh, Burnsy there, Adam Pangburn from the uh, Kootenai Elk Hunting Association, and uh, maybe we'll have to get you out here for uh, for uh, an elk hunt. That would be awesome. Are you in the Kootenai area, right? Uh, I'm not in the Kootenai area, but uh, it's no problem for me to go hunting over there. Hunting oh. with uh, any elk hunting association kind of feels like cheating. So I think uh, you come out, we're going to have you and uh, and him. It'd be uh, We'll have an advantage for sure, I think. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, Southern BC is definitely one of my favorite places to hunt. It's, it's a lot harder than most people think, too. It, it, can, it can get tough. Yeah. Is uh yeah you gotta put the miles on your boots anyway but uh, <laughs> yeah. you know um Adam there he's uh, he sends me uh, quite a few pictures of and uh, of a lot of elk so and I think he's uh, he's uh, done pretty good for himself in the elk hunting category over the years so he's a good guy yeah. to go with awesome yeah and is he out hunting in the kind of the mountain mountain areas out there yeah yeah he hunts uh, he's out in the Castlegar area so um, there's oh. tons of elk out there. that's that's what i love you tend to run into less people once you get back in the mountains there too yeah northern alberta you can walk for three days and think you're alone and there's there's more people yeah i hunt around like right bordering typically i hunt bordering the okanagan area and the kootenays and that's not far from uh from that area and uh i've had some uh pretty good luck with pulling some elk out of there so but it's a lot of work but that's uh, damn worth it that's for sure yeah well we can try and make something work i i'm probably going to be down hunting with uh, shane palmer with saddleaxe outfitters again as well right where's he out of he's out of the east kootenays kind of kind of by creston oh yeah yeah he does pretty well out there i've been hunting with him for a few years now and if uh, if i do I am lucky enough to take along with them this year um it'd be nice if we can get our, our dates to line up and just jump from one to the next but i'm also only allowed one one tag in bc so yeah yeah if i sure. can't shoot an elk with you guys i'll definitely come and do some calling yeah cool man well you know uh i don't know what's going to go on or how the how the outfitters are going to do this year with uh with the border closure hopefully i haven't heard yet if it's going to stay closed or not so i'd I don't know, but uh, hopefully it opens up. And I mean, if there's not this year, we can always uh, we can always do it next year. We can always line something up for sure. But uh, yeah, it'd be a lot of fun, man. Oh, I think it would be cool. So uh, where can everybody uh, pick up some of these great calls from uh, Smith Game Calls? Well, your local store should have them, and if they if they don't, you can put the bug in their ear and uh, you can go to www.smithgamecalls.ca or .com. Uh, and just note that our, our website is under construction right now. You'll still be able to get on. We've got a new website launching in the 
should be done in about a month. So uh, we're really excited about that. But yeah, you can order anything online if your local retailer doesn't doesn't own or carry it. And also we'll be, our marketing team is launching on Amazon here in the next month or two as well. So yeah, you just type Smith Game Calls in Google, you'll find it for sale somewhere. Yeah, and get them early because uh, ordering them in the fall, or not, there'll be nobody there to answer your call. <laughs> yeah, I I don't plan on being around, but uh, our distribution team is pretty good too. So I'm hoping if we have our inventory up and I can sneak out, then then you'll you'll be able to find them no problem. Yeah, awesome man. Okay, uh, you got a? Do you have a call kicking around around there anywhere? No, I'm actually in a half put together shop right now. Wow. We're still we're still moving in. I don't know if I've got nothing even close to me. Oh, that's all good, buddy. I was going to get you to <laughs> hit us up with one of your calls, but uh, we'll have to leave that for next time. Yeah, maybe next time. Okay, man. Thanks, Steve. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me.